0: And we're underway, the winner onto the quarterfinals.
1: Ah, but they equalized! It came out of nowhere! Chested down, oh, that is
2: spectacular! It's a cup set times two for Union Omaha. Pereira scores! Orlando City is moving on! How about this blast, oh, it's incredible! Sacramento! Is on to the quarterfinal. Ever to Rodriguez! Santiago Rodriguez!
1: This is the last thing you want to see if you're LFC. Oh boy. It's and a we go throw.
0: They could be in trouble. Grant Sear for Chicharito!
1: Just the final nail in the coffin. Ever rolling down the line, and that was fine.
3: live and underway here on ESPN plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Herk, I don't know if you're like me, but if you are at all, you are suffering from a serious case of FOMO, fear of missing out on Wednesday night as the round of 16 played out in the U.S. Open Cup. What drama?
4: What could have been, Seb? What could have been? What could have been? What could have been? I know you. You see what I'm wearing. I do. Where's mine? Are you gonna send it out? You're gonna keep it for yourself. Uh, it actually is not far. It's right here, actually. It, it, it's a large,
3: so you know it won't fit me. But oh! uh, but they did get you. They did get you your gear. So we'll get you taken care of. My
4: peeps, look at that. And oh, we got. You know what? We gotta make a trip. We We got to make a trip.
3: We got to make a trip. We got to make a trip. Omaha is uh, on the priority list for Football America's road trips. We've got a lot to get to uh, in this show. We're going to have part one of an exclusive interview with Juan Carlos Osorio, the uh, former manager of the Mexican national team. He dropped some bombshells on us. He dropped so many. In fact, we're going to have to split the interview into two. So uh, part two will be next Monday. But really good interview there. Speaking of Mexican soccer, we are also about, what, hour, hour and a half away from kickoff between Atlas and Pachu got leg one of the Liga MX final. So we'll be talking about that uh, a little bit. And we have a boiling point in the National Women's Soccer League over refereeing. So plenty to discuss there. But let's start with the Open Cup. The magic of the U.S. Open Cup. Look at Cup. that logo. Minnesota Beautiful. United, Union, Omaha, Allianz Field. Uh, of course, a horrible tragedy on Wednesday of the school shooting. A moment of silence there in Minnesota. Six-minute Minnesota strikes first through Adrian Hunu, Herc.
4: Puno Fragapane right there, ah, keeper got off-footed. You're expecting to go far post. Puno hits it near, it's a good little ball by Fragapane right there, catches him sleeping. Don't want to do that. So Union Omaha, of course, out of the third tier, USL League One, you're thinking they're in trouble. Wait
3: a second, first half stoppage time, Hugo Kamatani. Yeah, this is on the goalkeeper. Is this on the goalkeeper? Early second half, Joe Brito
4: brings it down off his chest. Oh my goodness, let me see that again.
3: That's a nice finish, huh?
4: Brought that down, look at this, ball's not even gonna bounce, boom! Right-footed volley, and it's 2-1.
3: We got a cup set alert late. Minnesota, oh, denied by the crossbar. Look at that, oh, we got drama. Unbelievable stuff. As Union Omaha and Jay Mims celebrating with their traveling fans, their exceptional stuff. History made, not bad for a club that played its first ever game less than two years ago. They're through to the last eight, the first third tier team to do that since 2013. Back then it was Orlando City SC, but remember that Orlando City was getting ready to go to MLS. So, totally different situation here. Uh, there you see it. Congratulations to Union Omaha through to the last eight of the US Open Cup. All right, Herc, let's go big picture here, 30,000 feet. What did we learn about American soccer when we saw Union Omaha, out of the third tier, beat yet another MLS team in this Open Cup?
4: We learned a few things, bear with me here. Uh, The first one and the most obvious one is, don't underestimate, excuse me, lower division soccer Mm -hmm. in this country. And what I mean by that is you saw a team that you just mentioned beat Minnesota United, but that's not the only MLS team they beat. Mm-hmm. They also beat Chicago Fire uh, in the Open Cup, and they did it by playing away in both venues. So mm. don't and underestimate. And what I mean by underestimate is not us, Major League Soccer. I'm talking about Chicago Fire. I'm talking about Adrian Heath and, the Minneso- and Minnesota United. And maybe I shouldn't say underestimate because it leads me to my second point because they played with two dps if you look at that starting lineup i mean minnesota had a very strong lineup sounds mm-hmm. maybe two or three names you're saying this is a first choice lineup so yes but you're minnesota united you're playing against a team that's would you say third division mm-hmm. so that would lead me to my next point is that the gap isn't too far off mm. between major league soccer and some of these teams uh we do this for a living Seb. There are people in this country who see this game, see Major League Soccer, and they think that's the cream of the crop. And it's not only a step above, but many steps above from different steps or avenues in American soccer. That's not the case. You saw a team, and we both watched this game, a team in Union, Omaha, that was not only at times more dangerous, but knew how to manage the game better over, you would say, some seasoned professionals. I mentioned that Minnesota United had two DPs, so... They underestimated him in a few avenues, and and I would say maybe to an extent Adrian Heath. Reynoso didn't play, and maybe you're saving him for the week, whatever that case may be, but you were how many games away from a trophy, and now you're sitting at home wishing you did?
3: I think it's pretty obvious proof here of the depth of soccer in this country, right? And it's not just the players you talk about. Maybe there's not a huge gap between MLS and USL League One, which is the third tier. But it's coaches. Look at a guy like, like Jay Mims. He's an NCAA coach who gets a professional opportunity um, because of Union Omaha. Talk about the depth of ownership, right? Yeah. Look at, is it not just Union Omaha. In two years, able to build a team that can now reach the last date of the Open Cup. Look at a team like uh, Northern Colorado Hailstorm, the team that Union Omaha beat in the round of 16. In two months, Herc, The people who are running Northern Colorado Hailstorm put together a team that could beat an MLS outfit. Like, there are very qualified soccer people all over the United States, which brings me to the real big point, the crazy point about what I learned last night about U.S. soccer. All right. And I know you're going to say, Sebi, I'm not going to the loony bin with you on this one. We need promotion relegation. If what you say is true, if what you say is true, that the gap isn't that much, then we need it for competitive reasons. And even if that isn't the case, Herc, I think we need it for marketing reasons. You and I both know this again because we work in the industry. Uh, Liga Américas rates here. Premier League rates here. Champions League rates here. International soccer rates here. Domestic soccer does not rate here. I know I'm crazy, but tell me I'm wrong when when I say from a marketing standpoint, a marketing standpoint, Herc. U.S. soccer needs this. American soccer needs this.
4: Uh, American soccer may need it. I don't know if Major League Soccer needs this. And I don't really care if they want it or don't need it. I just, how do you make it happen? I, I'm right. to the loony bin with you, but how do you realistically make that happen? And maybe that's not even a, it shouldn't be a question. Like, how do we make it happen so these millionaires feel comfortable, billionaires feel comfortable? <laughs> that shouldn't be the question. Uh, trust me, I've been trying to get an ownership for quite some time. Oh, if, there there it was, is. if there was, If there was a way, if there was a way to win it promotion-wise on mm-hmm. the field, Vegas would have a team. It would have a second team to rival the lights, and it would be owned by yours truly.
3: There you go. Hercules just just shy on that $300 million expansion uh, sticker fee for an MLS team. All right, let's move on to the other action from U.S. Open Cup. Sporting Kansas City. And the Houston Dynamo. Pick this one up in the 40th minute scoreless game. Darwin Quintero, Corey Baird, Dynamo up one.
4: Corey Baird, there he is. Good ball by Darwin Quintero. El científico del gol. Cientifico, the assist right there. Good ball between two players. Corey Baird will take that. one nothing there. Sporting
3: Kansas City going to find up, an equalizer. Johnny Russell doing it himself.
4: I love me some Johnny Russell. Like That is the epitome of Johnny Russell. If there was one play to describe Johnny Russell perfectly, that's it. Mm.
3: Left-footed Magic, all even at one in the second half. 72nd minute, Daniel Shaloui taking down for a penalty. Russell
4: converts. Did I tell you I love me some uh, Johnny Russell? This is a a tough one for Paulo Nagamura, the Houston coach, coming back to his old team, Sporting Kansas City.
3: Elsewhere, Galaxy LAFC, you're welcome. I drew this, remember the draw show. You did. Ninth minute, scoreless game. Carlos Vela out on the run here.
4: Now, clattered into. Now, you think it was him, like, sprinting for the ball, or you think it was that, like, that crashing into? I think it's, into, the, sh-
3: I think think it's so? the shot to the head, yeah, or something
4: there. No, I think it's it's the quad. It's definitely the quad. I'm just trying to figure if it's him colliding right there with right. Raheem Edwards or it's a or contact not. injury yeah. or just
3: kind of pulling up lame. Yeah, so there you see it, Carlos Vela uh, going off, leaving the game. So, LAFC without their main man, 36th minute. Oh, yeah, we got some cups It's El Trafico in the open cup. Yeah, so uh,
4: Chicharito sees him out of the corner of his eye. I don't think he meant this. Palacios hits it hard. Taco, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Fall has a, a very, very uh, strong reaction with Chicharito. Marky Delgado getting in there as well. All hell broke loose, and we're still in the first half.
3: 1-0 in the second half. Galaxy looking for a second. Grand Seer, Chicharito, 2-0.
4: <sighs> a pair of assists for Grand Sierra, but this was a beauty. This isn't an easy finish by no means. Javier Hernandez, a goal scorer's goal, and he got himself one.
3: Galaxy going to add one more late. Cabral, the back heel. Raheem Edwards, Jovic, 3-1.
4: XLAFC, lafc Raheem Edwards. He's having himself a ridiculous season. And what do you think? What do you say? Just like old times,
3: huh, Seb? Just like old times, the LA Galaxy, you can see LAFC and Carson, awfully tough to beat. There you see the uh, series history between the two, brief but exciting. Okay, Herc, I'm gonna need you to explain it to me like a child, because clearly I didn't listen to you last time. Why can't LAFC win in Carson?
4: It really is crazy, isn't it, Seb? I mean, mm-hmm. they have this mental stranglehold on LAFC. I, I told you, we've seen this movie many times before. LAFC is flying, they're doing well, the Galaxy is not, and then they play the Galaxy in Carson, Dignity Health Sports Park, and it cures all. We see a different Galaxy. We see a Galaxy that's, not only I hate these cliches, up for it, but is owning the competition. Coming back in dramatic fashion, if you will, or just playing out, bye just playing out, owning the game. It's, it's mental, and it comes down to, you see Los Angeles Galaxy right now, who for the longest time were the super club with the bar of Major League Soccer. And then all of a sudden we get into the era of the super clubs. These super clubs that come in and they have a big wallet just like the LA Galaxy. They've got big aspirations. They've got ways they want to go about doing things and they splash and they splurge and they start getting things going. And the LA Galaxy is like, hold, hold on a second. I'm losing mm. footing here in, in Major League Soccer. What's, what's going on a second? And they're struggling to get back to their winning ways when it comes to lifting MLS Cups. But then all of a sudden, you've got somebody comes into your hometown, a a place that you've made yours since inception, and and they wanna call themselves the best in Los Angeles. And they got shiny new toys and and, and player signings like Carlos Vela, uh, Diego Rossi, Rodriguez, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you may want. They've got great ownership, famous celebrity ownership. They've got a nice brand new stadium, and you're like, Hold on a second. Are you trying to treat me like second rate? Yeah, Mm. you're doing well in the league, but this is LA. And that's what the Galaxy does. When it's LA, when it's their home turf, they defend it like it's their home turf. It's an actual fight, as you saw. For the first time, I saw an LAFC that had no fight. Sure, you can shove somebody. You can push somebody. Mm. You can jaw at somebody. But no fight when it came into the game. And it's been all fight for the Galaxy since inception at Carson.
3: One of the reasons that this is such a surprise is because I think since LAFC has come into the league, we've kind of just assumed that LAFC were the better team in pretty much all these matchups. Do you still feel that way? Do you still think LAFC is a a better team on paper, or has that changed as well?
4: No, that's changed, absolutely. Listen, the Slotan years, that may have been up for debate because you said it was Mm Slotan and some pieces. Slotan doing it by himself and then what you can do. We'll see, right? Well, with Greg Vanny you've seen more of a DNA. Now it's still very hit and miss. There have been games where they defend themselves or for themselves very well. And then all of a sudden they give up in two home games, like six goals. So it's still very hit and miss, but it's a better team. And Mm. it's still that same Galaxy DNA. And that's the difference here.
3: I know it's what, like three years ago now. I still think that the the remnants of Slatan's impact on this rivalry remains. You talk about the mental block. Zlatan had a a, a big role in establishing that for the Galaxy early days against LAFC. Zlatan, no longer the star uh, for the Galaxy. Their new star, of course, Javier Hernandez. And Chicharito, of course, has been in the news for his relationship or maybe lack thereof with Tata Martino of late. But wait, there were reports on Wednesday before the game between LAFC and the LA Galaxy that Javier Hernandez's camp has reached out to Tata Martino. Let's hear from Chicharito himself. This is what he said post game.
1: Tema de selección, sé que siempre es su respuesta, pero hay muchos reportes circulando que se habían tablado ya una una comunicación para hablar, si tú nos podías confirmar o dar detalles al respecto. Sí, sí hubo acercamientos, sí, claro sí.
3: Ah, sí, claro, sí. Uh, No more details. Is it something, Herc? Is it nothing? Or is it everything? And by everything, I mean, finally, a ticket back into the national team for Chicharito.
4: It's everything because of what those reports were. Mm -hmm. Gibran uh, Arraje, a colleague of ours at another network, had said that it was to apologize uh, for what we do not know, but to mend the situation that is Tata Martino, Javier Hernandez, and El Tri. Mm -hmm. That would lead many to believe he would be off that infamous blacklist. And if he's off that blacklist and he's scoring goals again, he was on a little drought, but he's scoring goals again, and we know Javier Hernandez scores in bunches, that means he's up for selection on a team that desperately needs goals. Mm-hmm. Seb, they desperately need it. Funes Mori has not been the answer. Raul Jimenez has not been the same Raul Jimenez. Santiago Jimenez, he's still not there yet. JJ Macias, not there yet as well. Julio Forch, who knows if, if that'll happen or when it'll happen or if is even gonna be in this conversation. Javier Hernandez is the actual, only actually only guy scoring goals and he happens to by, be, by the way, excuse me, uh, the all-time leading goal scorer in a World Cup year, he's active. So this is everything.
3: Yep, it's everything. Uh, for the reasons that you mentioned, I would also throw in just how much negativity there's been around the Mexican national team. And a lot of that negativity has to do with Chicharito and Los Vetados. Maybe this helps alleviate some of that. It's not just for Chicharito, it's not just for the national team, it's for the media um it's for the fans it's to have a better feeling around and you want your all-time leading goal scorers as part of this team certainly Herk if he's scoring goals uh, as he was at the start of the season although he's cooled off quite a bit uh, middle of the season for the Galaxy so um, obviously this is pretty much Chicharito putting the ball in Tata's court right there's no way now with a, with almost a public mea culpa that Tata wouldn't take him back yeah
4: <laughs> there's no way right no would way. never happen Listen, ultimately, it's still Tata's team, and there are Mm -hmm. very few windows. And I I think this is why the apology or the acercamiento, the -hmm. the getting the two parties together happens now, because there's very few windows from now into the World Cup to actually make this happen and get himself in.
3: Hey, if you needed a a Mexican striker for a goal over 90 minutes today, who would be at the top of your list?
4: And Chicharito's in the pool. Javier Hernandez, it has to be. If I'm trying to win a game, if this is a World Cup and I – listen, I I remember you said something to me, Seb, a a while back. This is all fair. You said to me, go back and look at that World Cup. All the good plays for Mexico, all the goals went through Javier Hernandez. I scoffed at it. I went back and looked at it. That Chucky Lozano goal, that went through Uh Javier Hernandez. That wasn't his goal. That was Javier Hernandez using his feet and setting it up.
3: All right, so uh, next for Javier Hernandez and the LA Galaxy – Sacramento Republic. That's because Sac Republic got it done Wednesday against San Jose. 27th minute, Rodrigo Lopez the corner, Luis Felipe the header,
4: 1-0 Sacramento. Oh, San Jose, take it seriously. You played the same lineup you did against Seattle, it worked out for you because Seattle had a weaker lineup. The Republic ain't about that, that's the first. Nope, Sacramento Republic up 1-0,
3: 83rd minute, they're going up two, it's your boy Roro. Ohana. You know what that means?
4: Uh, family. Family. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, what's the connection here again, just for everybody? He's married to my cousin on my uh, father's side. So this is beautiful. Yeah, so he's family there. Look at this bullet. Oof. Look at Roro Lopez. Uh, he's got some MLS experience, as USA, Liga and Mekis experience at Veracruz and Ascenso. The man can play, he can ball.
3: Absolutely, balling right there as the quakes go out. Sacramento Republic moving on. Here's what we're calling the uh, Western Central. Half of the bracket. Sporting Kansas City against Union Omaha in one quarterfinal. L.A. Galaxy, Sacramento Republic in the other. All right, let's get to Inter-Miami and Orlando. This one got good late. 94th minute. That's right, 94th minute. Oh. John Mota, yes.
4: Oh, look at the movement here from John Mota. I should say lack thereof. It kind of knuckles on the goalkeeper right there. Can't do anything about it. All right, so
3: Inter-Miami up, but not up for long. Orlando responds three minutes later, Facundo Torres.
4: That's 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 Nani's number, but that ain't Nani, but he's moving <laughs> like Nani, weaving like Nani, and shooting like Nani.
3: Penalties, 1-1. One, one. DeAndre Yedlin steps up, and oh, the national man. teamer misses. Oh,
4: come on, DeAndre, it's the hair. Mauricio
3: Pereira for Orlando City. And in the Florida Derby, Herc, Orlando gets it done.
4: What's this called? Sol Clásico?
3: I don't know, but I like it. I like it. All right. Another look at it there is Orlando City. Get the better of their in-state rivals. Nashville, visiting Louisville City. 37th minute, Brian Ownby. Oh, we got a cup set in the works. Oh! Ah!
4: He got a cup set. Look at this, good little early service. I love an early service, and this is a great header. Keep her going the other way, very difficult to deal with.
3: Nashville striking back in the 39, Takelova.
4: There he is. There he is. One of the highest transfers, I believe it's the highest transfers, a uh, transfer, excuse me, for Nashville in their history, and uh, he plays the cup games. 1-1, one, one. late, real late, 89th minute, Hani Mukhtar for the win. Yeah, that's what you need. Your big players, DP players, stepping up in big moments. Dagger wow. for Louisville. So
3: close to a cup set, Nashville advances. New York City, New England Revolution. 94th minute extra time, Santiago Rodriguez.
4: Uh, midweek on this turf, I could only Imagine what Tati Castellanos is thinking like, wait a second, I've got multi-million dollar transfer fees that you guys are saying no to, and you got me playing on this field? All right, well, let me do this at least.
3: Exactly. Tati, Ever, Santiago Rodriguez. And that's the only goal in the game is New York City. FC advances. How about the New York Red Bulls taking on Charlotte FC? Danny Rios, he'd get on the board in this one. First minute. Red Bulls from the corner kick. That's a good way to start the game.
4: Yeah, I think it might have been a penalty anyways. Uh, falls to him and he'll take it. 1-1 one, one late.
3: And there's the backbreaker. Charlotte going behind two to one. Uh-oh.
4: It's a route. Yeah, you know, it's tough. You're, you're chasing the game. You got yourself opened up and they take advantage.
3: Yep. Tom Barlow there with the, uh, the last goal for the New York Red Bulls as they advance. They're going to face New York City FCR in a Hudson River Derby there in one of the uh, quarterfinals in the northeast, southeast half of the bracket. Then Orlando City against Nashville F.C. Herc, we got eight teams left in the Open Cup. Who's your favorite from the remaining field?
4: You know, when I said this, I know you were surprised, but I I went with the Los Angeles Galaxy, and... I'm
3: only surprised because I've been listening to you for the last, like, two weeks on this show, and all you do is talk about how bad they are every time it's an MLS good, bad, and ugly. They're not scoring. Chicharito's not scoring. That's the only reason I was surprised. Your own data.
4: Well, not my own data. Well, they were playing well while they were losing 3-0 at home? No! But... This is a cup tournament, this is a cup format, and there are two different forms mm-hmm. for teams. There's your cup te- your form, and then there's your domestic league form, and they obviously have that. Now, they recuperate Javier Hernandez. He's back on the score sheet, and you know he's gonna score in bunches, but here's what I like. Raheem Edwards, you know what you're gonna get from him. I've been seeing a better defensive team overall this year, the body of work has been better from Greg Verhalter. They're honestly one piece away from being a very good team in that midfield if they can be a good two-way player. Uh, heads up, Cabral is all of a sudden showing flashes. He's a very frustrating player. He reminds me of Vinicius for Real Madrid. Vinicius Jr. in his first three seasons. The yeah. frustrating Vinicius Jr. If you could put it together on the field, this guy is going to be dangerous. You saw what he could do last night. I think they're just so dangerous, and they're going to have another home game, so they're spotting me a game there. So. Take there care.
3: it is. There it is. The Galaxy under Greg Vanney, uh, a threat to win the U.S. Open Cup, says Hercules Gomez. I'm going slightly got? different. I'm going New York City FC. Now, I feel like this is probably what Las Vegas would tell us, right? If they're looking at the eight teams left in this tournament. who the final. New York City FC and, and LA Galaxy is probably, right, your your final, at least what most people would expect. Uh, so I think it's going to be New York City FC. We got a, we got a lot of reasons why. We, we've got a recent track record, right? Comp, knockout competitions. not just... What they did, I think, in uh, in MLS Cup, obviously, but to some extent, what they did in the Concacaf Champions League. The concerns here for me would be like, uh, you're not going to be at home. You're probably not going to be at home for a final if you do uh, if you do get it, because we know New York City FC doesn't exactly have the facilities for that. The other point here. Is the Open Cup final, Herc, isn't until what, first or second week of September? Yeah. That's another transfer window. Tati. And if Tati Castellanos is not around when New York City FC does eventually, potentially reach this final, it changes their chances uh, dramatically. So uh, here's a look then at those eight matchups. You got a game that stands out to you?
4: Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, well, obviously, Union Omaha, Sporting Kansas City. Sorry. Mm hmm. Sorry. I was listening to the producer for a second. Yes, Union <laughs> Omaha. Apologies. It's got to be, be Union <laughs> Omaha. Got to be we, Union uh,
3: Omaha. We give them uh, – what do you think? A, a decent shot to make the semifinals? I mean, Sporting Kansas City not exactly uh, pulling up trees. No,
4: listen, Sporting Kansas City struggled against uh, Dallas. They had a mm-hmm. comeback win. They struggled against Houston. Uh, Omaha is playing with some spirit. They're playing a good way uh, defensively well. They're good in transition, and they're getting some very good goals. Could be done. All right, we hope
3: so. Uh, hopefully you'll get to wear your uh, Union Omaha gear How next this time way? here on Football Américas.
0: Pasión, determinación y constancia es lo que te hace campeón y mantiene tu actitud de ride or die, baby. eBay Motors tiene lo que necesitas para darle mantenimiento a tu vehículo y para llegar hasta el rendimiento máximo. Desde sobrealimentadores, sistemas de sonido, tubos de escape, luces LED y más. eBay Motors. Motors.com. Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones.
3: Our next guest here on Football America Américas, none other than Juan Carlos Osorio, a man who has managed up and down the Americas, although you probably know him best from his time with the Mexican National Team, at and leading up to the 2018 World Cup. El Profe joins us here on the show. Juan Carlos, great to have
1: you with us. Well, uh, thank you very much for... The uh, invitation. And before we started, I would like to ask uh, all the people involved, including the the those who are watching the the program, just to be a little bit patient with me.
3: Perfect. Well, listen, if anyone knows about patience, it's me. I work with Hercules Gomez on a, on a semi-daily <laughs> basis. Y cualquier right, cosa aquí right. la, la podemos traducir de español a inglés. Right, so, right, right. Um, right. so, listen, since you left the Mexican national team, you've been kind of off the radar for a lot of our audience. Um, you, you spent a lot of the last few years in Colombia. It's a football that we don't see a lot of. I wonder kind of what your experience was like there, and how does Colombian football in that league compare to the other stops on your career?
1: Very interesting question. Um, I decided myself to, to stay in Colombia because my parents, both of my parents are alive, close to 90 years old, and I wanted to be near them. And also my oldest son uh, is in sixth semester of medical school, and I want to be near him. Juan
4: Carlos, you know, you've been to a lot of different places. Some of those stops, one of those stops, I should say, was uh, Major League Soccer, Chicago, 2007. I'm curious what your experience was like back then in 2007 in Major League Soccer, and maybe some of the changes you've seen from afar now that you've gotten a step away from Major League Soccer.
1: Right. Um, I am obviously um, biased about my opinion of the MLS because um, I am a very thankful to United States because that's when I went to school on a scholarship and I played work and initiated my my professional career but I have always said that if there is one league that is a model to for everybody else is the MLS. Because obviously with some with with things to improve is probably the, the, the league in the world that has more that has progressed the most because the 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 top salary cap, because the ideas of trying to always compete at the same level and that's something that is very, very difficult to find. I think it's only in the United States where, and, and and probably following other sports like basketball and American football, the rules are to try to play at the same level. That doesn't happen in in South America. Here, uh, everybody, the, the richest club buys the best players and the, 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 the clubs that they don't have the resources Obviously, they don't have access to those top players, so the competition is never on the same level, whereas in America, it's always the same level. And I think if you uh, get that um, in place, then the tactical plays, the tactical part of the game can can make you either be successful or not successful but not because you have the advantage of having a better better squad and if we translate that into international football that's what uh, that's why some clubs like uh, Real Madrid take a big chance in in bringing big big time players and trying to uh, get at the same level of competition with other with other teams in America is very difficult. It's very different. United States is is very equal to everybody, and that's probably the the thing that I admire the most, and probably the thing that I criticize the most in American football. That is not that um, even level of competition. Yeah.
3: Uh, one of the players that you got to work with while you were in Major League Soccer, I know it was a while ago, but I doubt you forget working with a guy like Cuauhtemoc Blanco. Is he the best Mexican player you ever coached?
1: <laughs> Cuauhtemoc was something else. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would say that when he when he, when when we coincide at Chica, in Chicago. Uh, the thing that amazed me the most was that even though he couldn't speak the language, he will just not lose the ball. He will protect the ball like, like we say it in South America. It's, it's like a, a loving girlfriend. You, you, <laughs> you never expose them. You keep it for yourself and, and, and you, don't, you do everything to, to protect her. And and that's what Quattemo did, and he did the the and, and all the things that he did just to protect the ball. And he did, he couldn't communicate himself, but his comp his competitiveness was there to be to be a, to be shown and to be admired for the rest. So as long and he's he gives us his hundred percent, then he uh, he will be fine, as far as being the best the best Mexican player that I ever coached. Mm, well, I would say that there are very, there are three that I put on the same category. Uh, Rafael Marquez, you know, he won everything with, yeah. with Barcelona and he was a big influence in in the squad, he, even in the World Cup 18 in Russia, when he had to play against Brazil. The other two players was were uh, Hector Herrera, and Andres Guardado, mm. two central midfielders, box to box, number eight in many, in many, in many football cultures, number eight, no number six, no number tens, but number eight, box to box and being able to play football to keep the ball and go forward and also try to defend themselves when it, when it was needed. So I would say that those probably those four players were the next the Mexican players that I ever coached. Wow. Mm.
4: You know, that's interesting because a lot of people would say just based off talent alone, Carlos Vela would kind of sweep everybody on that list.
1: Oh, Carlos yes, yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, have to, I have to. Sorry, sorry. I apologize. No, no problem. As, gotta... far, as, as far as talented, oh, Carlos was mm. the, the, the best player ever. There, there is a study in... Um, Carla 12 at Stanford University, where, where she uh, talks about the, um, the um, personality of the, of the athletes. And they say FIHA, which is almost like fixed versus progressive. And the fixed uh, uh, type of personality are those who can play with and only talented, with talent. And that was Carlos Bella. Yeah, mm. very, very, very talented players. If he could have uh, add to his game more uh, commitment, more discipline, and more uh, like extra work going to the gym, I think Carlos could have the could could, could have the potential to be one of the best players. In, the, in his position. Hmm. You've coached a
4: lot of good players in the Mexican national team, and it leads me to ask the question of why exactly you left the Mexican national team after the World Cup? But did you want to stay? Was it offered? What happened there, Juan Carlos?
1: Hercules, very interesting question, and I agree to, to come to your program and speak the truth. I think that that was my biggest mistake. Um, when we were in the world cup, I was approached by Colombian executives, mm. by Colombian officials, and they promised me that I was going to be the, 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 next Colombian national team manager. And obviously I am very proud to be Colombian. There are two nations that I really, well, three now that I really I am very helpful. A, me, my own country, Colombia. B, United States, because where that's where I, where that's where I went to university, that's where I start working and producing money and consolidating myself as a professional. And C, Mexico for giving me the opportunity to go to the World Cup. But when we beat Germany, and we, uh, as you probably. No, we took Brazil on the uh, quarter of the World Cup. We we took them to the 68 minute, almost 70 minute. Um, then the Mexicans uh, changed their their point of view and they want me to stay, but it was my decision to quit because I believe in the Colombian Federation, and it turned out to be not the case because then they decide on, on another coach for another circumstances. So I think, uh, Hercules, that was a big mistake on my part, to leave mm-hmm. Mexico where I was having, uh, I think, a, a, a very good car- football career. And I think with another four year uh, cycle, I could I could have done better things. Was that on mm-hmm. the
4: table, Juan Carlos? That four-year cycle was that offered to you by the Mexican uh, FMF?
1: Yes. Uh, the, a lot of people don't 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 know that. But after beating Germany and playing against Brazil, the Mexican Federation offered me the next four years, and and I was very naive, uh, and I believe in the Colombians' executives and the Colombians' bosses and. At the end, they they that, they play that play against my 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 career. Mm. It sounds like you have some regret, Juan Carlos,
3: about the decision in the time. Would you ever consider, in a future, coming back to Mexico and the national team?
1: Well, as I just said, um, I I, uh, I I believe that uh, any human being uh, is thankful with those who 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 has helped him to become what he is and in that regard I was born in Colombia so obviously uh, I love my country my parents are still alive as I said I live here but I am very thankful to the United States and that's a country that I know I someday I will come back to work and to compete and and hopefully to to uh, uh, give my my input, whatever input I can I can make, because it's a it's a country that I feel very thankful to, and Mexico because they give me the chance to go to the World Cup, which is probably the best scenario for any any coach in the world. Mm.
4: You know, Juan Carlos, there are very few people who know this Mexican national team and they're superstars like you. You know this pool uh, inside and out. So I have to ask you about one of the most polemic figures right now. Craziness that he's a polemic figure right now is Javier Hernandez, Chicharito Hernandez, and everything that's going on with Javier Hernandez and him not being part of this national team setup. Um, you, as somebody who was his coach and knows what he's like, not seen him part of this setup. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I will start by saying that, um, Javier has the knock, as they say it in England, the knock for, for, for the goal. He, he will score some wonderful goals, but he will also score the, the usual, uh, number nine goals. Um, Raul is a different type of player. And when I have the, uh, the them two, I try to um, provide with the, um, an opportunity for both of them to, to be in the team or at some point play together. Because I think when you have uh, two players in the same position that are very influential in the game, you have to look in a structure, in a system that you can play them together. But that was not the case at, in that particular time for me. So uh, Javier was always a, a figure that can uh, bring along all the rest of the players, where Raul was were more distant. Now, I think with with time... Uh, Raul has improved great deal in, as, as as I expected uh, playing for wolves and I think that's probably the the the, 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 um, the most uh, um, opposition that 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 Javier can can have because now they uh, there are other strikers that are improving, and that are reaching that point where the uh, the, the difference is, is minimum. And the fact that, that Javier is not there is a, is a question that I always ask to myself. What could have happened to him? Because I always thought that he would be there for the next World Cup as well.
3: All right, Herc, again, part two of that interview on next Monday's edition of Football Americas with Juan Carlos Osorio. But there we see the uh, comparison. Between JCO and the current man in charge, Tata Martino, her good chat with El Profe. What was your big takeaway?
4: <laughs> the bombshell he dropped yep. about uh, wanting to stay, or I guess um, regretting, regretting not staying, regretting right, not yeah. staying, and FMF wanting him to stay, offering him a second mm-hmm. cycle. That that's a that's a news headline right there.
3: Yeah, right. In terms of like thinking about Mexico and the potential of a of an eight-year cycle for coaches, what they've been talking about recently with Tata Martino. Uh, I guess maybe we could have That's seen what, it. That's what Hugo Juan Sanchez Carlos has been talking Osorio. about his
4: whole life. Yeah, right,
3: exactly. They owe him years. They owe, they still owe Hugo um, some years. Then. All right, let's get to some more news from around the world. Brendan Aronson, Herc, we talked about it on uh, Monday's edition of Football Americas, but it is now official. Brendan Aronson to Leeds confirmed for a fee just under $30 million, as reported by ESPN. Got a contract through 2027.
4: Yeah, the most interesting part about this is I've heard some of his interviews for the channel at Leeds and it sounds like regardless of Jesse Marsh or not, he was going to be there anyways.
3: Let's hear some of those interviews. Here's Aronson.
5: So what were your first sort of feelings, you know, when you kind of learned of that interest and learned
2: that it was a possibility?
5: I mean, me and my girlfriend, not knowing, had watched the documentary a few years back and we had known about Leeds and we had seen them go up to the English Premier League the next year later. but. I mean, I had known a lot about Leeds at that time and what a famous club it is and the fans and how dedicated they are. It was just a, a kind of a dream place for me. So
2: how gripped were you by
5: Leeds' conclusion of this season then? Oh, <laughs> I think I've said this story a few times, but I was in Vienna with my girlfriend and we were just sitting in a cafe watching the game, but I, I couldn't contain myself the whole game. I was sweating, I was pacing around the, the cafe and it, it was tough to watch, but they pulled it through and they got the win. And what did you see in that, that game and from what you've seen of Leeds and the club that you feel is this is gonna be a good home for you? Just, I think the family feeling that I get from here, you know, it's like this, it's big family and it's it's an amazing, amazing feeling that I get from the club, you know? And for me, I think what's big is this family and for me to come in and know everybody and feel like I'm a part of it already, it's, it's a great feeling and it makes me feel like I can come in and do my thing. Well, you know, one member of the family pretty well don't you so uh, how much of that was an aspect in your decision as well of, of linking it with
2: Jesse Marsh again
5: yeah for sure it was a, it was a huge a huge part of it too I mean Jesse a fantastic coach. I worked with him for half a year at Red Bull Salzburg and he was amazing so uh, I was grateful to work with him then and I'm grateful to work with him again and yeah I'm excited what do you feel he he gets out of you and what do you sort of get from that relationship yeah with the half year that I played under him he was he taught me a lot you know he taught me how to get in the final third to score goals to get assists and that's something i'm looking to bring to here
2: and how do you feel about the challenge of playing in the premier league
5: it's exciting you know it's a dream of mine and it's something that i want to achieve and i want to do big things with Leeds. that that's a that's a dream of mine too and to be around the players that we have at this club and to take this next step and, and i want to be a part of it
3: congratulations to brendan aronson we got some more dual national news luka koliosho a 17 year old who's eligible for Canada and the U.S., just accepted a Canada call-up days after making his La Liga debut with Espanol.
4: He's got some options, a very young player, uh, turning a lot of heads. Uh, Supposedly, this call-up he's accepting does not mean he's closed the door on the U.S. men's national team and their pursuit. so we'll have to uh, wait and see. Yep, the youngest American-born player ever to
3: debut in La Liga. U.S. men's national team against Morocco next Wednesday on ESPN2. Do not miss it. Big tune-up game for the Stars and Stripes as they begin the long march to the Qatar World Cup. And your boys will be part of the festivities. Do not miss us as we make our linear TV debut plus a full post-game on ESPN+.
2: Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing.
3: All right, let's transition to the women's game. Second leg of the Liga MX Femenil final between Chivas and Pachuca on Monday night in Guadalajara. Chivas was up 4-2 after Woo! the first leg up losing the game one nothing, thanks in part to that golazo. But Chivas win 4-3 on aggregate. What a moment, Herc.
4: What a banger, Pachuca. Let's give them some credit. That's uh, men and women's uh, two finals and we got a penalty kick, right? Who's gonna did. take this? Who's gonna this, take this up? It
3: had to be Charlene Corral. Look and at that. And how about that save? Blanca Felix. She was just huge, a monster in this match. No moment bigger than this one. It's a
4: massive save. And, and, and versus who? No doubt, no less, I should say. An unbelievable moment for her. And Pachuca would try and try as they may, but this was just written in the cards. It's written for Chivas de Guadalajara. La yeah. segunda
3: felix uh, another big save there at the end. She was all over the place, but there you see it. Chivas are your champions of Liga MX femenil. I don't know, Herc. You used to always tell me Monterrey is the seat of power in Mexican women's football. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. The, the data there uh, suggests as much. I mean. Anyway, I don't know if you caught this, Herc, uh, during this match or maybe right. It was actually kind of right after, as Chivas is celebrating their title. The owner, of course, is the man who's the owner of both the the men's team and the women's team at Chivas, Amaury Vergara, uh, was booed as part of the celebrations. There you can see, not sound up. Let's hear the boos as uh, Vergara there walks around with his trophy. Boy, they were they were giving it to him, huh? Shameful uh, stuff. Herc, are you cool with it? Uh, are you cool with the Chivas fans here booing Amauri Vergara?
4: I am not cool with this. This is. Shameful, shameful things from uh, the Chivas de Guadalajara fan base, La Fiel out there. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say La Fiel, it's Atlas, but the the, the faithful for them. Um, it takes away from the moment. The moment mm-hmm. it is celebrating the women of Chivas de la Guadalajara, Liga MX Femenil, their team, what they have done, their accomplishments. Uh, what you're essentially saying is... You are being booed because of what you have done or not done with the men. You are taken away from the great moment that is these women. There's a reason these women have done so well. And Amaury Vergara, yes, even if you may not like it, is a huge part of that. Mm. He's a huge part of their resources. He's also a huge part of promising higher salaries for these women. After this win, he's gonna promise higher salaries. So so it's not all negative with Amari mm. Vergara. What, what these people are saying is, I don't care. What you do with the women or how good the women get, we don't like you because of what you've not done on the men's side. And it's not about that. It's disappointing because the fans
3: that are booing here are saying the men are more important than the women. That's really what they're saying. And what's unfortunate is those fans are the ones that are in the stadium to watch the women's team play in a final. Those should not be the fans that are more focused on the men's team and they should definitely not be more focused on it right after the women's team just won a title. Uh, I'm with you. I think 99% of the blame here is on the fans. Maury um, Vergara is a little bit naive if he's going to claim that this surprised him right. in any way. He could have been present. He could have been with the team in the locker room and not been as visible. He knows that when he goes out there, and hey, he wasn't being quiet about it. He was doing the, 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 the victory lap with the trophy. He knows he's going to draw the ire of those fans. He also made it a little bit about himself.
4: Absolutely. And there's nothing that fans hate more than owners Taking credit. Then owners Mm -hmm. lifting the trophy before the players. Then owners being the main attraction when it comes to these types of moments. So I understand what you're saying. But come on, man. There are moments to really celebrate people, to really celebrate achievements. And this is one of them for Nelly Simon, our ex-colleague here at ESPN, and Chivas Femenil. All
3: right. More Liga MX
4: Femenil news now as it connects
3: to NW. SL, we got a partnership announced between Tigres and Angel City FC. Herc, it's going to include two friendlies. The first of which will be August 10th in LA. I bet you they'll get a pretty good crowd for that. What do you say?
4: Uh, decent crowd. You think our friend Julie can uh, score some seats for us, or what? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I know there's some Tigres fans
3: there in LA, so I, I think they could get. Might be a sellout. You never know. Uh, we'll Absolutely. see what kind of what kind of crowd it draws. They're also going to play a friendly in Mexico that date. TBD, but very exciting stuff as we continue to see the the growing relationship between the two leagues. More NWSL news here. The league has fined both the Washington Spirit and head coach Chris Ward for comments about the league's refereeing. Ward's comments came after Washington's 1-1 draw with Portland back on May 18th, which is what, uh, last Wednesday. Let's hear what Chris Ward had to say.
2: You know, Emily Sonnett gets kicked in the ribs in the Orlando game. Broken ribs in the very first game. And the league's response is, well, she finished the game. Are you out of your mind that that's your response when someone clearly gets kicked twice, has broken ribs, and your response is, she finished the game? Because she's a warrior. Because she's strong. And you're not going to do anything to protect it. It's absolute madness. It It is so beyond the pale because then they turn around and they give Ashley Hatch a fine. And if anyone's met Ashley Hatch, you know what type of person she is. The league has to do a better job. They absolutely have to do a better job. And it's, you know, I I don't know what it's going to take because they've already injured Trinity. They've already broken bones on two of our players. I don't know what else it's going to take for them to step up and actually take this seriously. It's so frustrating.
3: All right, Herc, it's time for somebody to get lost. The question is who? Are you giving the get lost to Chris Ward or to the National Women's Soccer League?
4: I'm not giving it to Chris Ward. Um, He's protecting his players. That's what any coach would do. Any Mm -hmm. coach would fight for the safety of his players. And also... For what fans want to see, they want to see the most talented players on the field uh, and staying safe, you know, doing what they do best with the ball. So uh, you want to protect those type of players. But my understanding here, and this is why it's NWSL and maybe U.S. soccer in general to get Mm -hmm. lost, is when it comes to allocating these referees, it's on a tiered system. So that means in their tiers, Major League Soccer is the highest. That would essentially mean, because VAR is in Major League Soccer, that the best referees in American soccer go automatically to Major League Soccer, and everything else, all these other scraps, excuse my reference right there to the referees, (laughs) are left to the rest of American soccer. So, in a league that presumes to be one of the best, if not the best Mm -hmm. in the world, NWSL, you don't have the best referees to accompany said product, these women. And that is sad. That is hard, and that is what you should get lost with.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Especially, Herc, especially when it comes down to, at the end of the day, money, right? And we hear all the time in the NWSL about all this new money coming into the league, all these new sponsors. What did we hear from Angel City FC? Something like $35 million. Let me read you some numbers. Mm An NWSL center ref, right, head ref, will make $461 for a game. Forget about what MLS officials make, which is way more than that. USL, which is drawing from the same tier of refs, right, that second tier of refs, according to pro referees and kind of how they rank their officials, they get 529 bucks a game for in the USL. So if you're just a ref trying to pick between the two, you're going to go to the USL. NWSL needs to step up. It needs to invest now in refereeing and not just refereeing, Herc, but VAR right? Because you mentioned MLS has VAR, and because of that, they're getting a lot of these tier one referees they are not available for the other leagues. NWSL needs VAR. You can't have, as you say, a league that wants to be one of the best in the world not have VAR. We just can't have it anymore. So I think it's time now for the NWSL to step up. It's time for pro referees to step up and and qualify more referees for this top tier. And to your point about the federation, it's also saying, hey, you're going to give NWSL this tier one status, right? Division one status, like you give it to MLS, and you demand that MLS players have the protections afforded of them for a Tier 1 referee, why aren't NWSL players worthy of that? If they're truly the top tier, then they better be getting the same
4: refs. That would be my point. That's a good point. Fair enough? It's fair enough.
3: All right, uh, let's move on. What's next here on Football Américas? Oh, yeah, actually, let me remind you, over on the website, ESPN.com, full article uh, about this from Jeff Kasouf. You can read more about it over there on ESPN.com more from the women's game the UEFA Champions League of course uh, wrapping up this past week Lyon beating Barcelona uh, in last weekend's final UEFA announcing their team of the season no surprise there's quite a few Lyon players on it Amadine Henry remember she scored that amazing banger to open the uh, Champions League final as well as a uh, big Big contingent on that defensive line. Christine Endler, the Chilean goalie as well. Out of up top. Herker, you noticed something? There's somebody from this Lyon team uh, that is not in this 11. Huh. And you know who else noticed it? Who? Uh, the person themselves, Katarina <laughs> Macario. Uh, let's check in on what we found in the mentions. Well, it wasn't really a mention. It was more like a quote tweet. But here's what Katerina Macario had to say. LOL, nine goals, title winner. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll try again next year. All right, so Katarina Macario, not happy about being left off the Women's Champions League team of the season. It's definitely shots fired, Her Are those shots from Macario
4: warranted? Absolutely. I could absolutely see myself doing the same thing. In this. I mean, <laughs> For a second, who picks these teams, right? Who picks these teams? Because we've seen this happen a lot of times. I mm-hmm. researched who picks this team. A technical observer panel. Mm. Te- what? Who? Uh, just, these are just pure numbers. Th- there are only two players who scored more goals, okay? Then Katarina Makaria, and they're on it. Nobody else, okay? And if we talk about knockout round goals, five goals. Second mm. most, if you wanna take out penalty kicks, the most knockout round goals. And yet here's a player who has the numbers, has the trophy, but doesn't have the respect here. What's going
3: on? Uh, that's it, right? It's the respect. And this is actually a huge problem in the women's game and it has been for a long time. When it comes to big awards, people tend to vote, and they do this in the men's game as well, but in the women's game, it's even worse. Overwhelmingly on reputation and, and kind of your Wikipedia almost, right? And if we look at the players, uh, Katoto Egerberg, who, who get it over Macario, they're far more established, Herc. So uh, I know as a player, that's got to drive you nuts. It's not always who does. A lot of times, it's who the voters
4: know. That's the thing. It's it's like this uh, Hall of Fame voters for for U.S. soccer. And we used to have these discussions. They're baseball writers, no offense to the baseball writers, but they don't follow soccer anymore. So they go with what they know. They go with what they can Google and find on Wikipedia. And by the way, whoever did my Wikipedia page absolutely hates me.
3: Ah, (laughs) there it is. There it is. Well, you're on TV enough. Maybe someday you'll get into the. uh, into the Hall of Fame there. Katarina Macario, no Champions League team of the season, but I think she'll be okay. She's got the trophy uh, that really matters as Lyon beat Barcelona. Also from the women's game, in case you missed it uh, earlier this week, Herc, we got some big news in the NIL world, the name image likeness world. Nike has signed its first high school NIL athletes and they are soccer players. Alyssa and Giselle Thompson of, hey, look at this, Los Angeles.
4: Yeah, Thompson sisters. Nike's uh, swooping up everybody. They, I know. I feel like not too long ago we, we spoke about the, the girl from UCLA. Oh, I forgot her name. Oh no, it's gonna kill me. Oh, I'm so sorry. But Nike's doing big things.
3: Nike uh, oh. go big in the soccer space. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice,
0: the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology.
3: For today's edition of Football Américas, enjoy your weekend. That's enjoy it. your holiday weekend. That's we it. will be back on Monday. We will be working. That is correct. And don't, don't forget, next week we're on TV, big TV, Football Américas, linear television debut after U.S.-Morocco on June 1st. We'll see you next week. You coming to L.A.? Go Union, Omaha. I'm coming to L.A. You know it. Bring you my LA. shirt. I will bring it. I will bring it.